0: Welcome to the Top Order podcast. Well, October, with the exception of Halloween, is normally a pretty quiet month. Just sees us wanting to get closer and closer to Christmas. Are we gonna see a nightmare in the UAE with COVID and all kinds of things proving a problem with the scheduling as it has around the world, or are we gonna see a cracking tournament? That's all gonna get unpicked on this T20 World Cup preview show, which we're absolutely pumped about, coming up after the swish. Well, Baldy, save the tenuous Halloween linkage. We've got a World Cup coming up. Uh, all the squads have been announced. And in typical top order fashion, we want to do a little bit of an explainer. And you're the man for the job. We've got 14 PowerPoint slides here ready to go. You're going to give the listeners a rundown of what to expect in terms of intro, format, the grounds. We've got DRS um, all coming up in your explainer segment, body Hit us
1: right boys let's go the ICC men's T20 World Cup for 2021 opens on October 17th and runs through until the final on November 14th hosted of course in Oman and the United Arab Emirates 20 teams will participate in this tournament which will be played across three different stages confused don't be because I'm about to walk you all through it and break it down it gets easier as we go Round one, eight teams will feature in round one. In two pools of four, they'll play each other once, round-robin style, in three games over five days. The top two teams in each group will advance to the second round. We open in Oman with Group B, who are playing their games from October 17th to 21st, and that group will feature Oman, PNG, Bangladesh, and Scotland. Two of those teams will advance to the second round. Group A, funnily enough, will feature their games a day later, October 18 to the 22nd, and they will play their games in Abu Dhabi and Sharjah. Ireland, the Netherlands, Sri Lanka and Namibia will battle it out in Group A for the right to go to the second round. The second round is not a rugby tournament, but round two of the World Cup. It is called the Super 12, and that will be another round robin featuring eight teams that have already qualified for that part of the tournament. Plus, of course, the four qualifiers for round one. They're again divided into two groups and will play each other once each. In group one, they'll play their games in Abu Dhabi, Dubai and Sharjah across the 23rd of October to the 6th of November. And that group contains Australia, England, the West Indies, South Africa, the winner from group A and the runner up from group B. Group number two will also play their games in Abu Dhabi, Dubai and Sharjah from the 24th of October through to the 8th of November. And this group contains India, Pakistan, New Zealand, Afghanistan, who at this stage will play in the tournament, the winner from Group B and the runner-up from Group A. And their games will be played, as I said, from the 24th of October to the 8th of November and will open with an absolute cracking game, India against Pakistan, on the 24th of October in Dubai. After all that, the top two teams from each of those groups will progress to the semi-final and the final. Each game that you win in the round-robin stages will get you two points. A tie, a no result due to rain, or an abandoned game will get each team one point, and there are zero points for a loss or a forfeit. Here it gets easier because they've made the finals format nice and easy for us to understand. The winner from group one will play the runner-up from group B in semifinal number one in Abu Dhabi on November the 10th. On November the 11th, the runner-up from group A, will play the winner of Group B for the right to play in the final again in Dubai on November the 14th. Some key rule highlights, guys, in this ICC Men's T20 World Cup for 2021. DRS is in, so the DRS will play a role throughout the tournament. Each team will have two reviews per team per innings, so a ton of reviews to be used in this T20 tournament on the DRS. Interesting rules in the Duckworth Lewis as well. During the round robin, five overs will constitute a match. But a recent rule change has come to my attention. That means 10 overs will be required in the semi-finals and the final to constitute a game both semi-finals and the final have reserve days chaps and there's no talk of boundary countbacks last thing before we get out of the explainer these teams will be competing for 5.6 million us dollars in cold hard cash which is the prize money for the tournament winners collect a 1.6 million dollar us check the runners-up receive 800 thousand dollars. both losing semi-finalists get 400 grand The eight teams knocked out at the end of the Super uh, 12 stage will get 70 grand each, plus a bonus payment of $40,000 for each match they win. The four teams that don't go past the first group, uh, they'll get $40,000 as a team, and each match that they win will also see them earn $40,000. So not just glory, but prize money on the line in this ICC Men's T20 World Cup in 2021. Let's get into a rundown of some of our favourite teams, chaps. And Lippy, I'm going to come across to you a very well balanced New Zealand side, but do they have a staff, uh, the staff power to go deep into this tournament? Yeah, look, it's
2: hard to hard to follow your uh, wonderful explainer there, and and a great point you made around uh, the cash, particularly for those uh, associate nations. You know, as you as you mentioned, um, you know, we we just talked to to Daniel Bezic from Emerging Cricket and. Such an important part of of what they've of these tournaments and, and such a big part for for them and in building their cricket and you know it's it's going to be really important to see what happens. But you asked me about New Zealand and, and that's my favorite topic on this podcast. And look, you know, you mentioned the balance and I think that's right because we'll play we'll play the way that we've tended to play our white ball cricket the whole time the, under the Williamson stead combination. You know, we look to evaluate what's what's enough with the bat and make every ball count when we, when we bat and when we bowl, you mentioned that there's no big stars, but I actually think that that plays into our hands a, a little bit because we've, the way we kind of play our cricket, it's going to be mean Devin Conway and Kane Williamson are going to be the keys. They're going to be the ones that have to anchor our innings. And if they can do that job well, then it's up to the likes of Guptill, the likes of Phillips, the likes of Nisham and Seifert. All they have to do, really, is, is like I keep, and you know, I've mentioned it a few times, I refer back to, to what Colin Monroe said when, in uh, in the chat that we had with him, that your job as a, a top-order player, and, and sometimes in T20 cricket, is to play one innings of, of value or two innings of value that win you a game. And, and we have the players that can do that. And then you flip that around to our bowling attack, and that's where I think the balance is absolutely spot on because – Lockie Ferguson, you know, I mentioned him in, in the IPL chat that we had earlier. He's been unreal in the IPL and really such a key performer. You know, that injury that he had last summer after looking unstoppable against the West Indies uh, in the game that we went and saw at Eden Park. You put him in the equation, then you've got Bolt, then you've got our two spinners in, in Santa and Sodi that I think that core will make up the real key to New Zealand success in this tournament and you think about that it's a it's an out and out paceman right hander we've got a left arm who swings it we've got a left arm off spinner and a right arm leg spinner so there's so much balance in that and they all bowl very different styles and look you know I I completely agree and I actually think that T20 cricket is probably New Zealand's weakest format um, in the way that we play our cricket but I think you still have to give us a, a real opportunity in this tournament that's probably enough for me for now, Binksy. As we, you know, unpack our our favourite teams, over to you for England. Really, I, I, I you know, you, you think about that side, and I think about them in the white ball formats as as an explosive side. It's it's a you know we've talked a lot about how England really has maybe left aside the the red ball stuff to kind of focus on the white ball stuff, and that's been a lot driven by Owen Morgan and the way he's built this attacking side and and fearless cricket, but Owen Morgan struggling a lot for his his own form in recent times. How how much do you think that's going to impact the way that England performs in this tournament?
0: So look, I, I don't think it's going to impact the way England play too much in the tournament. I think the way that Owen Morgan goes about his business is he wants to empower his players to go out and play. And they've talked about it and it's a little bit of a cliche now, but play the brand of cricket that they, uh, you know, have been become known for really in white ball cricket over the course of the last four or five years. So, we're recording this as KKR are just about to take, uh, you know, part in their eliminator game in the IPL. It wouldn't surprise me if Owen Morgan comes good on that stage at the most opportune moment, and similarly, it's not going to surprise me massively if he, you know, gets into his work um, and peaks during this T20 uh, World Cup, which let's face it. Um, he would be a white ball captain for England that holds both white ball trophies simultaneously if he's able to pull that feat off. So I think, you know, a, a lot um, for his legacy uh, um, there. And, and look, I, I wouldn't bet against him. Um, Brendan McCullum I think, has given him plenty of backing. And you've seen some tweets from some, you know, some pretty good players talking about his form in the um, IPL. saying you know, his, his class is, you know, class is permanent and form is just a temporary thing. The the worry for me, though, across the England team really is when I kind of compare that Cricket World Cup 50-over squad versus this T20 squad, you talk there a little bit about the versatility of the New Zealand attack. And for for me, I think England may be a spinner short. You've got Adil Rashid, who um, I I still can't understand why he doesn't regularly get picked up in the IPL. I think he's a fantastic bowler, not to have um, got a gong at some point. Um, in the IPL but I think certainly in terms of his form in the 100 was really really good and um, he's been a stalwart of that team for a period of time but he has suffered with a shoulder injury so I, I just really hope that he manages to stay um, on the park because it's really him and, and Moeen Ali and then potentially look a little bit of Liam Livingston um, to provide what we think are going to be relatively spin uh, friendly uh, conditions. The one key thing I think is the, the four players that are likely to be mixing the Gatorade for England. A pretty um, look, pretty much set in stone. I think I don't think we'll see Sam Billings in that starting eleven. I don't think we'll see Tom Curran, who's coming to the squad to replace his injured brother Sam. Uh, therefore, in that uh, eleven that goes out, and then I think it's probably a shootout between Willie and Tamal Mills for a bit of left arm option, and then Jason Roy and Milan would be the the other the other two that I've got bracketed. It looks pretty. Safe to say that you'll see Johnny Bairstow and Joss Butler resume at the top of the order. Um, I, I can't see, um, yeah, I can't see them not having uh, Joss Butler um, in that particular role. He said that he wants to do it, um, so yeah, it, it really is for me. And um, again, the Stokes factor and the Archer factor that are really missing from that fifty-over side um, that I think just might leave England just a touch short of genuine match winners in that format. Um, Uh, shortened format of the game. Baldy, I'm going to come to you with a similar question. David Warner dropped by the Sunrisers Hyderabad. Um, Is this his swan song in terms of white ball cricket for Australia? And he's under a bit of pressure with form as well, potentially?
1: Yeah, I don't think he can be out of form because he hasn't been playing much cricket uh, to to have a lack of form. But he's been hitting the ball apparently very, very well in the net, which bodes well for David Warner. Look, I don't know why, but I'm really excited about this Australian squad coming into this T20 World Cup. It's got a bit of an unknown about it. We don't know how these guys are going to gel together. We've got a lot of big-name players who haven't played a lot of cricket. Stark and Cummins have been warming up in Australia. Um, Really, only Marsh has been playing in the Sheffield Shield. And a lot of these guys, or a few of these guys at least, big-name players didn't go to Bangladesh and didn't go to the West Indies. So... Questions abound for that Australian side. Finch and Warner at the top of the order. Are kept, again, probably haven't played a much, a much cricket of late. Smith, likewise. Maxwell, however, has been playing the house down for the Royal Challengers Bangalore. And I'm really excited to see him at this World Cup. Mitchell Marsh had a good tour, of course. Likewise, um, in the Bangladesh and West Indies series, but hasn't been playing a lot of cricket lately. He's been playing a little bit of Australian domestic stuff. Marcus Stoinis has come out and said a couple of months ago that he wants to be the best finisher in the world in world cricket and he might get his opportunity at number six for Australia. But he's going to have to battle it out with Matthew Wade and Josh Inglis for that spot at number six, number seven, because it might be that Australia take two, maybe even three spinners into some of the wickets in this tournament. Of course, we've got Ashton Agar and Adam Zampa who will be our frontline spin bowlers. Mitchell Swepson will probably ride the pine unless Australia take in three spinners. And then it's a case of which pace bowlers do we take into the game? Will it be Cummins and Stark who would traditionally probably be the two first choice pace bowlers? But Josh Hazelwood has played really, really well for the Chennai Super Kings, So what's he going to be able to do in terms of the makeup of this side? Lots of questions uh, again facing this Australian team in the lead up to the tournament. Not a lot of practice in the lead up, but I'm really excited to see how this Australian side goes. I think that they could go reasonably well in the tournament uh, and I'm excited to see what they can do. Raj, you're the only person who hasn't given their team a shout out so far in the tournament. I think you've got the West Indies, if I'm not mistaken, is this just a universe boss connection or do you see something in this West Indian side that you really like?
3: Yeah, look, any team that has the universe boss on it is a team that I can get behind, but, uh, there are a number of reasons I've chosen the West Indies and first and foremost is that I think they can win the thing. Uh, if, if we look at things like their balance, the balance of their team is the way forward in 2020 cricket. We've seen over the history of 2020 cricket, West Indies, the Caribbean Premier League, and the, you know, Stanford 2020, which was called before, they've always been on that cutting edge of, of 2020 cricket. And, and, and this balance or the way they've balanced the team for this tournament in particular is, is no different. So I'm not going to dwell on the fact that they didn't pick, you know, the likes of Jason Holder, which I think is a big misstep. But they've only gone into the team with three, maybe four specialist bowlers. And a number of their key players are actually all-rounders. And then the likes of Dwayne Bravo, Kieron Pollard, Pollard and uh, Dre Russ. We can't underestimate that uh, ability to bat confidently down to 10 and 11 uh, or have a very good sixth or seventh bowler. For the next point I'm making, which is around data driven cricket, which we're seeing more and more in 2020s these days. That balance that they've got allows them to strategize around those key matchups. Also, uh, the pitches that they're going to be playing in here in the the UAE, I think they're more to their style. If we have a look at the other teams in their pool, with Australia and South Africa especially. They're used to those fast, bouncy wickets, and that, that's probably not what they're going to find in the UAE when it, when it comes around to the 2020 World Cup. Uh, and finally, the final reason that I think the West Indies are going to win uh, this World Cup, or I think they're going to go very deep into it, is experience. You mentioned it there, Chris Gale, but there's a number of guys there. The list goes on and on. Pollard, Dre Russ, Bravo, Nicholas Puran, Hittmeyer, uh, and even Evan Lewis. Uh what they this, this is actually what they do, play short-form cricket around the world for big paychecks, and, and most importantly, they, they really do it successfully. For this team in particular, I guess the key player for me would be Kieran Pollard. Uh, how he pulls the strings is going to be crucial as a leader and, and as a strategist, but really this team is full of players who can win a match single-handedly on, on any given day. So So they are the team that I think Going to go very deep into this tournament and are a a chance of winning it. Um, I do have a couple of questions though for the panel, so I'll, I'll throw over to you, Stu. Uh, first question is: Who's the player you're watching for this World Cup?
2: Yeah, look, I, the, there was there's a couple that came to mind, but you know I had to kind of stick to to the home home nation here, New Zealand, and, and the player that I'm most interested to watch for for New Zealand is is actually Tim Seifert, and, and not necessarily because I think that. He's uh, likely to win us the most games or, or do anything like that. Um, it's it's actually around where he bats because I think that what his role is for this New Zealand side might actually have a big impact on what we do. I think when we look back to the you know some of the recent T20 cricket that we we saw from New Zealand, when particularly in that Australian series, Seifert actually got moved down the order in the the. Uh, deciding game and the the big game in that, in that series, it was Guptill and Conway that opened, but there's been whispers now. And I, I just feel like I've heard Devin Conway saying, look, you know, if I have to bat number four for the balance of the side and, and all that kind of stuff, personally, I would be a hundred percent sticking with Guptill and Conway and having Seifert down in that finishing role. I think that's much better use of his skills at the moment. But I think if Seifert goes up to the top of the order and you have Seifert and Guptill, you, you run the risk of them, New Zealand in particular, going into Conway and Williamson, who I've already said it, are the guys who I think are the most important batters for us. We don't want to be them two coming in at 20 for two. I think it's crucial that one of those guys bats at the top of the absolute top of the order and tries to bat the way all the way through the innings. And that's why I think Seifert is, is such an important watch for New Zealand. Look, the other and the other person I was gonna say, but I, I didn't wanna really ruin your thunder because I, I know you, you touched on him just before, but someone I really think is is gonna be crucial to the way this tournament goes is David Warner. Is is that the person that you are most interested to see in this tournament?
1: From an Australian perspective, absolutely. David Warner and Aaron Finch at the top of the order have to get Australia off to a rollicking good start. Of course, uh, Finch coming back from a knee injury and Warner having precious little game time in the warm-up for Sunrise's Hyderabad will be one to watch from an Australian point of view. Uh, like you, you, Stuart, I'll be looking at the spinners. I'll be looking at Ashwin and Judasia from an Indian point of view and I'll be looking at Shakib Al-Hassan and Rashid Khan from B- uh, Bangladesh and afghanistan They're the guys that are going to have to bowl their teams to victories against some of these bigger, more fancied nations if those, if those countries like Afghanistan or Bangladesh are going to feature in the back end of the tournament. So I'll be keeping my eye on the spinners. Um, it looks like in the IPL that the pace bowlers have had a, a reasonable amount of success. But, you know, those kinds of wickets, as we get on in the tournament, like we saw with the IPL last year, spin started to come into the fore a little bit in the latter half of that tournament. So I'll be looking at those key spinners um, from Bangladesh and Afghanistan in particular. Adam, who have you got your eye on?
0: Um, Look, so for me, I am going to be a little bit nepotistic and I'm going to talk about um, England here. I'm really keen to see, look, three guys in this England team. Um, Moen Ali has obviously just announced his retirement from Test Cricket and I think a big part of that was really not necessarily always nailing his role and, and feeling wanted within that team. But I don't think the same can be said of the way that Owen Morgan handles him and handles any player. He had an exceptional 100 for the Birmingham Phoenix. He was captain of that uh, team, scored 225 runs at 32 with an average of 148. And I think also playing in that sort of CSK environment where MS Dhoni seems to give him such you know responsibility. So I really think that now he's concentrating on white ball cricket, I really want to see him have a fantastic tournament. And I think he's set up um, to do so. The other two guys I'm really, really keen to take a look at in a bit more detail, Liam Livingston. Um, so again, had a fantastic 100 tournament, 350 runs, at an average of 58 with a strike rate, nearly 180 in that tournament and made every single ground look like a bloody postage stamp as well. And um, so, you know, really, really some uh, amazing hitting from him and bowls a few useful um, spinners as well. And then the final one, and this is a really, a really, really sort of um, Amazing story as well. Tamal Mills, who's been on the scene for a little while, got picked up in one of those really early IPL auctions for a lot of cash and then a struggle with um injuries. Again, had a really, really solid 100 tournament. But probably the most important thing was he got through all of his overs in that tournament. He bowled his 20-ball quota in every game that he played um, during that uh, T20 tournament. Um, bowls that out of the back of the hand slower ball that comes out almost with no perceptible change in his arm speed at about 60 miles an hour compared to 93, 94, his on-pace delivery. So I'm really looking to see those guys um, in the sky blue of, uh, of England through this tournament. Um, but yeah, not to say that I'm not uh, fizzing at watching some of the other uh, guys, particularly as Baldy mentioned, a lot of those spinners, really looking to see, forward to seeing uh, Rashid Khan, Shakeeb, um, and a bunch of others as well. Well, Raj... I'm going to throw to you, and you've already named pretty much all of the West Indian team as players um, to look out for, not least the universe boss, Dre Russ, Evan Lewis, Nicholas Poran, and a host of others. Who else have you got your eye on in the tournament though? Some um, some fellas from um, elsewhere around the world as well?
3: Yeah, so so for me, I've kind of focused on the... um the specialist aspect of things. And and I think that 2020 cricket is definitely becoming a, uh, a specialist format of the game in itself. And I think we, we're starting to see that more and more. Uh, the one I've got my eye on is actually Glenn Phillips, which is interesting because it's probably counter to, to, to Stu's point earlier. So Glenn Phillips, he's been going around the world dominating T20 tournaments for the last 18 months or so. Uh, he's been putting back-to-back performances regularly. Uh, and I, I just think that this is the time where he steps out of that shadow and uh, has he has the uh, world's eyes on him, and I think he secures a big IPL contract out of this. Uh, he did an interview this week, actually, where he was talking about, because he's been doing all this travelling, he's spent a lot of time quarantining, and he's up to 800 push-ups a day he's doing um, uh, in, in quarantine. So he said when he met, met back up with the New Zealand squad, he smashed all his baseline um, performance metrics so i think that this is the time the time of glenn phillips
2: he definitely looks it, it's definitely starting to show for him i think i think we might have touched on that a little bit earlier but he's uh yes yeah, i think and i think even uh, robbie o'donnell when we talked to him i think the start of last year uh was talking about uh how glenn phillips had been doing a bunch of push-ups at, at the cpl so yeah this has obviously been going for quite a while now and and yeah absolutely i, I completely agree that it would be great to see Glenn Phillips go. Raj, you, you, you've got a few more questions for us. What's the next one on the list?
3: So my my next one is actually around the dark horse for winning it all. So I'm going to come to Binksy first for this one.
0: Yeah, so look, I don't know that they can necessarily be called a, a dark horse, uh, but I think we sort of always talk about Pakistan as being mercurial, um, and, and that's become a little bit of a cricketing cliche. But look, I do think that they've actually got some firepower both in terms of their batting and their bowling um, to really come into this tournament Um we, we've obviously got pace of Shaheen and Friede. they've also got some firepower at the top of the order as well with Babra Azam um, and look a host of other guys as well and most importantly I, I think you know they've got a little bit um, of needle coming into this we've obviously seen um, a couple of tours um, called off and I think that's really really hurt them not only from a financial and a you know a cricketing politics perspective. But I think the players have felt a little bit affronted by that as well, particularly because they have traveled to the UK and and put up with you know some pretty harsh quarantine in our last English summer over there. So I think that they're going to be in a position of togetherness. I think you'll always see that as well when you've got a new coach on board and perhaps a new regime. It gives you that little bump, doesn't it, when you've got um, a new manager always happens in the football Premier League. When you get a new manager, you always win your first game because everyone's so keen um, to impress. So for me, um, Pakistan, uh, definitely my
2: dark horse.
0: Who's your dark horse, Lippy?
2: Look, I, I've gone for a team who I didn't really think that I was going to select until I started actually diving into the sides and and, and kind of thinking about the IPL and, and the point Baldy made before around... Uh, how pace bowlers have been so key uh, in the IPL, particularly in the UAE and and what we've seen in, in recent times. And that actually leads to me uh, choosing South Africa as my dark horse. And I know they've got a really tough pool and I know that they've been really up and down the last kind of few, you know, 12 months, maybe even longer than that. But I just look at Rabada and Nokia and they are just uh, and on another level. Those two as. Um, particularly in the IPL, the way they've been playing. And, you know, Nokia's got that express pace. That's something that it can take the pitch out of the equation. And Rabata's just someone that takes wickets all the time. And, you know, we see in T20 cricket, if you can knock the top off and then they actually have, you know, Shamsi, who's actually the number one world ranked T20 bowler at the moment. They've got Maharaj. Like they actually do have the core of a really good bowling attack. And then we've got guys like Dukok, Miller, you know players that have performed in in tournaments around the world uh, you know I, I think it is it's certainly on the the, the dark horse end and, and a side that i think it has to all click but that's what we see in these tournaments that all it has to do is is click for a month and suddenly they're the world champions in in a in a format like this so yeah it's it's south africa for me raj over to you
3: yeah, so for me, again, I've picked someone I, I didn't think that I would pick. I've, I've picked them so f- they're, they're so far uh, underdogs. They're not even in the main tournament to start off with. I've picked Bangladesh as my uh, dark horse for winning, and I guess I'm looking at recent history where they've, they've proven that they can beat the best. They're having just put New Zealand and Australia to the sword at home. If, if we have conditions that are similarish to what they've been played and playing in, I think they're going to be very hard to beat. Uh, they're the kind of team that you don't want to get into the to the grind with. Ideally it ideally if you're their opposition, if you're Bangladesh's opposition, you want them to bat first and you want to bowl them out for very very um uh very cheaply. Pitches pitches where the score projected score is around 120 to 140, that that's just going to be a real tussle with a team like like Bangladesh. But uh first and foremost, their secret to success if they are going to be successful is that they need to score runs uh, with the bat. So guys like Mushfika Rahim and um, uh, Shaqib uh, Al-Hassan are going to be absolutely instrumental for them going deep into this tournament. And uh, they need to get those runs on the board and then, then grind out a victory with the ball. Uh, in the second half um i'll show i'll throw to you baldy who have you got as your dark horse well boys i've I've
1: clearly missed the brief on this one i i picked dark horses from round one to feature in round two and to win the occasional game i actually think that there are a couple of teams in that round one play-in tournament that are going to cause a little bit of strife for some of those bigger names ireland the netherlands and sri lanka all in feature in group a only two of them can go through i'm actually picking ireland and the netherlands to go through Mm. in group a and in Group B, Bangladesh and Scotland look the most likely for me. And I actually think that that, that trio of, of the less fancied nations of Scotland, Ireland and the Netherlands, I think they're going to cause an upset in one of, against one of these major sides in this tournament. As you said, Raj, a low-scoring contest brings it closer for those, um, for those Minnow nations, those less fancied associate nations. So uh, rather than pick a dark horse to win it, I actually think that there's going to be a couple of upsets at this T20 World Cup, associate nations beating their more fancied rivals
2: on the flip side to that we've talked about teams that have you know going to be performing uh, above their above their standings raj i want to throw to you for a side that you think is going to be
3: disappointing in this tournament so I've got a, a fan favourite here. Australia is my most un- underwhelming um, performance. I think their, their preparation has been hor- horrible. Uh, their proposed resting of, of a lot of players has not allowed for a great build-up to this tournament. I think uh, uh, Baldy mentioned it. You know, they didn't take their their stars through to Bangladesh or to the West Indies and, and even New Zealand for that uh, that matter, the tour before that. Um and I think that there's a number of roles within that team at the moment that are currently unfilled, or or perhaps untrialed is a better way to say that. Um, for example, we look at Glenn Maxwell. We know he can close an in innings. He's learnt to do that really consistently at the IPL, this IPL, um, but you know hasn't done that recently on the international stage, which which is a different different thing entirely. So. Uh, and, and just things like, do they actually know what their best 11 is? Uh, I'm not sure that they do. Um, it's something that they're going to be finding out in the lead-up to that tournament and even in the early stages. Uh, so, yeah, I think that they, they might not even make it out of the um, the group stages, unfortunately. Um, on that note, I'll hand over to Baldy. What <laughs> do you have an underwhelming performance?
1: Well, look, certainly the pressure's going to be on Australia, you know, no doubt about that, Raj. If they start slowly, they're gone. Uh, the, the team that I think... Are, uh, probably a good chance to underperform and underwhelm in this tournament at Sri Lanka. They're missing their three key guys uh, through suspension, of course. They don't have great depth in their squad as it is. So, look, I think that there's a chance they couldn't get out of Group A. I I actually have Ireland and the Netherlands coming out of that group and going through in Group A. Uh, Sri Lanka, the the big nation or the test-playing nation, not to make it through to that Super 12 round. Uh, If you talk about teams likely to go out, in the, in the Super 12 stage, not make the finals. I guess Australia is probably going to be uh, one of those teams that's on the cusp. Um, and let's just hope that South Africa don't have a crisis of mathematics when it comes to a key moment in one of the important games. Um, Binksy, what have you got in terms of uh, potentially underwhelming performances?
0: Well, look, if I go with the one that I've written down, I'm I'm, I'm either going to be cock of the walk or a feather duster because Lippi's um, sold me the fact that uh, South Africa or his dark horse for the tournament, I, I was going to say that they look just really underwhelming to me. They- they've not uh, shown a great deal of form. They've got a captain who's been uh, injured recently um, in Temba Bavuma. Um, uh, yeah, look, th- for me, they just uh, it's the first time I've not been talking or thinking about South Africa when I came to do my predictions as to who was going to get out of the group's. I didn't even sort of really look at their name on there as as any as any chance of making the semi-finals. So, um, look, I guess from a prediction point of view, I hope I'm uh, I hope I'm right. And look, I I kind of love to say this as well. I think Australia might struggle a little bit um, as well. Um, and look, that's not just trying to wind up Baldy, um, genuinely, listeners. believe me on this uh, fact. Um, but yeah, they're the other major nation that I think are gonna. Um, are going to potentially struggle a little bit as well. So um, hopefully I've covered myself there with uh, with two people
2: as my uh, potential underwhelmers. Don't worry, Binksy. I'm about to get you back here because uh, you know you you uh, it, it doesn't worry me at all if we're going head to head. And and actually I love I actually love watching a, a, quite a few players in that England squad. But you know for me I, it's 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 England that I think are going to be the the side that is the most underwhelming because I, th- I actually think they're a side that particularly in white ball formats, as I've just said before, they're a side that comes in with huge hopes and expectations that those, they're, they're not a side that's just coming here to make a semi. They're, they're a side that's coming here in their minds to think that they're going to win that tournament. Guys like Bearstow Butler, Moeen Ali, Owen Morgan, you know, all of those guys, they've been building to these white ball tournaments for a long time and actually, They've had really long, exhausting seasons. Some of those guys—they're already taking time out. There was all these questions about the Ashes. I just think that it, it's been a tough time for them, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they make a slow start and suddenly it's just—it's over. And and actually, they go, "Oh well, you know, so be it." Now we're all, and and then they're jumping on a plane and all going to the Ashes. So it's just, I, I think there's a real chance for them to just be you know, have, have kind of had enough uh, and, and it just not to come together in this month.
3: Okay, for the final question of, of today's uh, roundtable here, I want to get an advanced uh, playoff bracket out of, of you guys. So here you need to pick who's coming first and second out of Group 1 and Group 2, how those semifinals are going to play out and then uh, who is going to win the final. So I'll throw over to, to Baldy first because this is the sort of stuff that, that he eats for breakfast. I can see a whiteboard behind him where he's got the back brackets set up. What have you got, Baldy?
1: I've been running spreadsheets all week, fellas, in, in preparation for this. Look, I think actually England do show a bit of resilience. Um, they've been, you know, as they said, been staring the pandemic in the face for 18 months. Another extra tournament is not going to worry these fellas. They'll be geared up for that tournament. I expect them to top their group. Uh, and the West Indies to finish second in that group uh, and pip out Australia and South Africa. Nothing would give me more pleasure than seeing Australia go through but I think England will top that group West Indies will go through second on the other half of the bracket I see India going through at the top of the bracket there no surprises really nothing uh, massively groundbreaking from me on that one but I actually think New Zealand will go through as the second team in that group I think they'll beat Pakistan in a close game in their round robin stage to go through ahead of Pakistan From there, of course, we've got India that will play the West Indies in an absolute dynamite uh, semi-final. That will be an absolutely cracking game. I expect India to win that and progress to the final. And then, of course, on the other side, that would give New Zealand and England a semi-final that would be a repeat of the World Cup final, the 50 over one from a couple of years ago. And I actually think that it will be New Zealand that will pip England in that semi-final, New Zealand to play India in the final, and for India to exact revenge on their test championship defeat india to beat new zealand in the final new zealand unfortunately bridesmaids again for me in that tournament Uh, who wants to follow that lads Uh, on the on that new zealand note i better jump in
2: and and look and i'll actually you know you you picked new zealand i'm actually going to pick australia here and and, um you know the guys have, have mentioned a lot of negatives but I actually think uh, they will sneak in uh, into that round robin. And that's because, as I mentioned before, uh, England's, uh, yeah, as I said, I I just think England, things are coming to the end for them in terms of this year. It's been such a a challenging time. uh, And I think that there's been too much cricket and they're going to pay the price for it. But I do think the West Indies are going to be the team that actually tops that group. They've been... You know, I, I looked through that side and, and Raj listed all the names before. You know, I know that, I know that it, it's sort of a popular pick to pick the West Indies at the moment because everyone wants to cheer for the universe boss and, and cheer for all of those players that have played so much T20 cricket. But when you look through their lineup, you just think how many match winners they have and, and the depth that they have, particularly in that batting lineup. And, and there are actually a, a lot of players that take the, the pitch and the conditions out of play as well guys that can just hit the ball long. And yeah, I, I just think that they're going to be really, really spot on for this tournament. And so that gives West Indies number one and, and Australia number two in that pool. And then I'm going to follow Baldy for, for the New Zealand's pool and, and say it's India, New Zealand in that round. I, I do think that India, you know, they're just such a well-balanced side for, for those conditions. We've talked about them before. All you know, all the different players that the, the players that they left out could have filled an India A side that probably would have performed pretty well in this tournament. Uh, you know, the IPL just gives them such a leg up in T Twenty cricket, and and that leaves India West Indies for me are the two winners of those semi finals. Uh, I think West Indies will actually beat New Zealand, unfortunately, um, just because of that that strong power that they have in their batting and. You know, Baldy mentioned it before that we don't really have those, you know, the really, really explosive players necessarily that West Indies do in in the T20 format. And India, I think, just takes care of Australia. I think Australia kind of gets in and then they get demolished by India and that semi would kind of make up for it and make me happy enough. Uh, And then, yeah, I think India India does the job. But, you know, as much as I would like to kind of pick uh, someone else other than India just because... They're the strong, heavy favourites, and, and I don't always like uh, predicting the favourites, but yeah, I, I think as I said, India's second side would do very well in this tournament. So just on the the sheer weight of numbers and, and quality players that they have, uh, it's India for me. Raj, do we have uh, do we have anyone uh, other than India for you winning this tournament?
3: No, I think I've got India there as well. Um, very similar. I'm a mixture of you two, your two brackets at this stage. So I've got West Indies coming out of group one as uh, the winners uh, with England followed uh, closely behind and then uh, in group two India first and New Zealand second uh, in the semis New Zealand beat the West Indies in an absolute thriller and uh, India beat England uh, and then that semi-final which leads us to the the final India versus New Zealand India wins it in the second super over on boundary countback Um that's what I've got, unfortunately. Over to you, C.
0: Yeah, look, for me, the alarming thing is that I think, by and large, we've actually got the same order as the bookmakers, um, which means, yeah, we must be wrong because um, I don't think we've got a prediction right on the the podcast yet. And I'm going to go very, very similar to Baldy, in, 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 um, except that I'm going to reverse my uh, winners and, and runners-up in those groups. So I think West Indies actually come out of the gates. Um, Pretty strongly in that first group. Um, And that they will, uh, yeah, they'll come out of the group ahead of England, who'll finish second. I think India will run away with their group with New Zealand um, finishing second, which means I think a West Indies, New Zealand, and an England, India semi final. And then I'm going to see West Indies and England progress uh, to the final and heartache for England again in another T20 tournament against West Indies, uh, with the West Indies, I I think, just showing their firepower. And Raj mentioned it in his, um, in his write-up of their chances. They've just got those guys that have been playing so much franchise cricket, and I think now is the time for them to all come together um, on the world stage um, and bring home the bacon. we well, do tune in over the course of October and November to see us probably eat some humble pie uh, with our predictions, with uh, most likely an Australia-South Africa final, given all of our comments um, in this T20 world cup body i'm not even sure if that uh, makes the permutations but it certainly seems like the outcome given the predictions uh, that we've made look we've really enjoyed recording this t20 world cup preview hope you've enjoyed listening to it as well please don't be shy to leave us some feedback in the social channels or via our email or website www.thetoporderpodcast.com and keep in touch with our feed to see more Hall of Fame episodes coming up, news, views, and interviews from all around the world of cricket. But for us now, it's good night and God bless. See you soon.